There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, what does it mean to be a modern warrior? First off, the elephant in the room. Warrior isn't a dirty word. A warrior is mindful. They seek excellence and have learned to control their aggression. It's about understanding leadership, developing individual resilience, and seeking consistent human optimization. Remember, lifting heavy isn't dangerous. Being weak is dangerous. Fortune favors the brave, and you're never given more than you can handle. This, then, is the Warrior You podcast. All call signs. Ready, ready, ready. Let's roll! Well, we're back. Bram, how are you this morning? <laughs> I'm trying to get the <laughs> peanut butter. I'm good. I'm good, Trent. <clears throat> yeah, I was a, it was a race against time to um, chew the peanut butter and I kept saying to myself, just take it calm, just be calm, it's all good, you've got this. But I didn't have this. I didn't. You didn't. And now I'm still eating the peanut butter. So uh, Bram's got a bit of a, a top tip for those who are working out and don't want to snack during the day he eats a couple of teaspoons of peanut butter and that seems to tide him over but um in this four, four teaspoons 20 grams four teaspoons yep no how need much, to snack then how much cholesterol is that i don't know it's nothing don't know. i don't know you saw my <laughs> performance yesterday it's working it was massive mm. it was massive workout crossfit um yeah so we've got another another question and answer session coming up with some really interesting questions coming around this time but first of all i think i want to say you know we had someone come up to us in the street well we, we have this a bit but we had someone come up to us in the street and say um you know thanks for the podcast and they just introduced themselves out of the blue mm. yesterday and you know, people ask me, what's that like when someone comes up and says, hey, you know, I listen to the podcast, big fan, or I've read the book, or, you know, one of the, one of the books or whatever. You know, what's it like? And it's it's bloody lovely, actually. <laughs> it's really good. Like, it's a, it's a really nice feeling. It's, it's nice to know that the effort and the work has helped, in some cases, profoundly change people's ideas or, or opinions or, or lives in some cases. So, yeah, don't feel afraid if you see Trent or I walking around the street to come up and say g'day because we, we quite like it and we like to talk to people and I think we're pretty approachable. And, yeah, um, I agree with that. Yeah, and it's it makes it worthwhile knowing that you're out there and that you're listening. Mm. Yeah, so thanks. Thanks very much, everyone. Hey, uh, we've, got, uh, we've got a few questions that have been sent through. Interestingly, this, this particular episode has got a bit of a military flavour to it, I think. Um, and so for the benefit of those who haven't had uh, military service, we'll, we'll look to transfer some of the the questions into you know make it making it relevant for uh for industry as well so so these questions are leadership uh questions in general i think we'll get through them and um and see how we go Mm. 
Right, so first one, we'll kick off with, so Bram, how how can a leader develop leadership capabilities within the junior members of their team? What do you think? <laughs> My first thought is that you need to understand what the capabilities are that you're seeking for your team. Mm. So firstly, you need to know where your team is going. This goes back to your leadership narrative, you know, what, are, what what's your expectations of the team? And if you are developing uh, your team, and and remember, all leaders should be developing their team members. Mm. You know, we're not just seeking outputs from our team members. We need to be – leaders need to develop other leaders. Mm. So from that perspective, we mm. need to be working on the leadership capabilities of those emerging leaders. Mm. And we need to know what skills are required for that particular team to generate an output. Mm. That would be my starting position. Mm. The question was how can I develop – leadership capabilities within the junior members of my team, mm. first of all, you need to start giving them responsibility in line with, you know, their source code, responsibilities in line with their why, you know, why they're there. So give them responsibilities and then allow people to step up while you're away or yep. while the second in charge or, or someone else is away. That's always a good one. And then, and then writing a report on them um, so that they have – that intrinsic motivation moving forward to seek that next level of leadership. And then I'd say, um, you know, offer them to another team across the company or across the unit or across the, the business um, on secondment uh, where someone might be missing. Perhaps they're on, um, you know, maternity or paternity leave or something like that and offer one of your higher flyers up or even someone lower who you think might be able to contribute with some diversity of thought to another team. So, there's a requirement for leaders to see themselves in a team of teams approach with other leaders across the business or the organisation and then be having conversations with those other leaders to then say, hey, can I share this human resource for you? This, this will fill a hole or a problem. And in doing so, you're actually allowing someone else to have a leadership opportunity. And then finally, why not set up a project on the side and have them lead that project. And it could be something that's real and tangible or it could be just something, you know, for shits and giggles. But still they're doing they're doing a leadership role. So there's lots of different ways and the fact that people are asking this makes me feel I'm concerned that, that leaders are asking this. Yeah. Um, that at your point of leadership you should be able to identify these sort of things. I'm sorry for whoever's asked this question, but I honestly believe that. If you're a leader, you should be able to identify how you can you know, create leadership capabilities within junior members of your team. Yeah, and I wanted to add a couple of additional points as well. So what we're finding out in industry, and I think this is there, there's a, a degree of this, uh, but less so within within the military as well. But we find there's there's really generalists and there's specialists within industry. And I think making the general or giving the opportunity for generalists to become more specific in certain skill sets within a team is useful. So, so having them operate around an SME, uh, a subject matter expert, or or uh, you know someone that's quite specific, and then vice versa. If you have someone that's operating in a very niche capability, it might be technical, it might be IT, mm. it could be something along those lines. Give them more generalist type roles and round them out a little better. Mm. And obviously, as a leader, if you are developing um, these these junior team members, I think it's really important to provide structured performance feedback. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if we're going to give them opportunities, we need to let them know how they went with that opportunity and mm. what they need to do in order to move forward. And what I've found is that leaders are really 
uncomfortable with having those hard conversations mm. often in these one-to-ones. Yeah. And it's that's for me is concerning because uh, if you're unable to have those difficult conversations or mm. those performance management um, conversations, that you, you're doing um, your team, your junior team members a disservice. Yeah, you're right. Personal development plans. If you're a leader, you have an obligation to be supporting people with their personal development plans. For sure. Right. The next question: How do you develop leadership when you are not a natural leader? Mate, I'm. Am I just in an angry mood today? Because I want to be angry about this as well. How do you develop leadership when you are not a natural leader? Okay. What is that question? There's no such thing as a natural leader. We've said this before. You, you, it's a skill set. Like you're not born it, a leader. It's well, that's that's right. And that used to be a theory. Right? It's not the, true. The, the old great you man learn. theory. And you do. You learn these skill sets, and they are skill sets like any other skill set. Yeah. And the great, by the way, the great man theory is predicated on the fact that people were bigger, faster, stronger. Therefore, they weren't actually leaders. They were bullies. It's not leadership, and uh, indeed, in fact, uh, in fact, within the military yeah. and in, in, in the trenches and those sorts of things, we used to promote the bravest, the toughest, the biggest, um, you know, uh, yeah. soldier in, in the trench. So, if someone's asked this, <clears throat> how do I develop leadership when I'm not a natural leader? Well, actually, you're just at a point in your leadership journey, glide path, journey, where, yeah, where you haven't learned enough yet. So you need to study it more. Yep. You need to watch what good looks like and take notes. You need to see what bad leadership looks like, which will lead into the next question anyway, but you need to watch what bad leadership looks like. Some of the greatest lessons come from the poor leaders that you've worked with. Look, I think there's more to this question than maybe than maybe what was written down. So how do you develop a le- leadership when you're not a natural leader? I, I'm wondering if there's something more to this and whether there is a degree of uh, uncomfortableness, is that a word? Uh, uh, around being a discomfort. leader and discomfort. Yeah, well done. Thanks. Um, mm. That was pretty poor. Um, I'm wondering if there's a level of discomfort around this particular follower not being able to work in front of people or lead that team or maybe a degree of embarrassment. Perhaps they're an introvert and don't feel comfortable in that space. But do you know what? Some of the greatest leaders in history have been introverts. Yeah, and you, you know, if you're an introvert, what you do is you get people around you who are extroverts so that you can help extend Balance. towards the extroverts in the team. Mm. How do you develop leadership when you're not a natural leader? Okay, I'm going to give this person a little bit more credit. Yeah, mm. okay, okay, I get it. So there might be something else there, and I think it's a, I think it's a discomfort level, and that's probably what this question's about. Mm. And if you have been thrust... Mm. into a leadership position and you're technically brilliant at something, yep. then I actually wonder how many people have been put in that position and then gathered their team around and said, listen, this is gonna, I, I need a uh, bit of time. Yeah. I'm going to work this out, but you need to help me. And, and you can't get fat eating humble pie, I've heard it said before. Um, so just be, just be honest and upfront about it. Say, hey, I'm, I'm in a leadership position. Support me here. Let's get through this and, and, and grow me. Yeah, and... And you know what? Have that conversation. Understand that before you before you sort of start operating. Uh, and that sort of comes back to the leadership narrative um, conversation that I've had before. And we're going to bring out a, a, mm. an episode that's solely around the leadership narrative and understanding that that's your your particular background as someone who's not a natural leader. It's okay to have that conversation with your team and say, "This is the position of, I'm placed in. I'm going to do my best." You know, help me to grow as, as we get through this. True story. True. What do we got? We're back to this we're back to this question that just 
keeps coming up like mm. a like a boomerang. Mm. How do you manage bad leadership coming from above you? This is another version of the same question that we've asked. Uh, mm. We were asked in the previous episode, which could. Uh, that could talk to the fact that many of our listeners have turned to the podcast because they yeah. uh, witnessed a bad leadership or it could it could mean there's a lot of bad leaders out there. Yeah, it doesn't make me feel good. Be what good looks like. Mm. said it last week. Mm. It's contextual. I think just identifying the fact that you are witnessing bad leadership is kudos to you already. Yeah, yeah picking it up. seen it. Yeah. But you, you, that's your felt experience as yeah. well. So if it's yeah. poor, poor leadership, you're feeling that, you're living it. Yeah. And I think subordinates, team members can have these um, courageous conversations with, with leaders if they feel like the leadership is poor. You just have to, you just have to word it properly. You just have to sit down and, and frame it properly. Um, maybe not say, hey, you're a terrible leader. Hey, man. Yeah. You're a shit leader. You know, it's got to be something a lot more along the lines of, you know, the team and I, we're, we're concerned, is everything okay? Can we can we support you in any way? Because we've noticed that, you know, that this is happening or, or that that's happening and, and, you know, is it us? Is there something we're doing wrong? Just be aware and Garj Ravachandra says this, doesn't he? There's, mm. you know, 1% of, of someone's, uh, you know, criticism is probably right, even if you think it's not. So if, if you've got a leader who you think's a bad leader, yep. um, perhaps... Perhaps you, you, you know, you and the team are doing something wrong as well. Don't just put it all on them. Um, but yeah, we, we're going to get into more of this. We've got a really interesting question around this a little bit later in the show. That's a podcast hook for stick around. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> well, well done, that. Well done, that man. The next one was uh, was an interesting one, and this is kind of our first one that sort of has got a bit of a uh, military uh, flavor to it. So what's the greatest challenge facing junior leaders in the military right now? And, and you know, we've both got recent experience uh, working around uh, junior leaders in the military. So I'm going to throw it to you first um, before I sort of have a, have a crack at it myself. <laughs> Regional northern neighbours? Right. Too much? Um, all right, let's not go there. Okay, so what is the greatest challenge <laughs> facing junior leaders in the military right now? Well, hang on a sec. Let's talk about the yeah. roles and tasks at the actual point where leadership occurs or where leadership happens. For junior leaders. For junior leaders in the mm. Defence Force. and so, so for everybody else that hasn't had experience within the ADF, what we're really talking about here is our junior officers and our junior non-commissioned officers. So we're really talking about soldiers and officers who are around that 20 years to 24 years of age mm. uh, who've probably had, you know, anywhere between – say, four years' experience up to maybe six. Right. Yeah. So that's so, where we're at. So first and foremost, differentiating management and leadership mm. so they understand the systems and processes of the Defence Force and being able to prosecute those systems and processes throughout their team so that you keep a cohesive unit from a management perspective and not confusing that with leadership. Right. So they need to be good managers. You need yep. to learn your trade. That's the first thing. That's and, the first challenge. And there's a lot in that. There is a lot, in a that. lot, a lot in more that. than when I was a corporal. Yeah, for mm. sure. And so that's taking up a lot of their time, which is keeping them out of the space, keeping them out of uh, their soldiers' faces. Right. And yep. And there's only a small amount of leadership required in barracks, if I'm if I'm honest. Sure. And that is to keep the management processes moving. Mm. 
keeping people engaged, checking in on their welfare, all those sort of things. Where the real leadership is sort of implemented is in is on combat operations or on operations. Yeah. So you have to be able to set yourself up for success to be able to transition to that style of leadership. Mm. But you're not necessarily doing that day-to-day role. Now, in the field, you are still doing management and process, management and process of a team and a section, but you're also then going to get orders and then you're coming back and you're giving people mission-specific orders and now it's up to you to be able to influence that team to get the best out of them. So now you're starting to talk about leadership. And then there's also the high-performance aspect to that being able to motivate people to move over vast distances, yeah, austere yeah, yeah. conditions, you know, maintaining food. morale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, maintaining morale. We used it's to a use big the, thing. We used we used to use the term morale. What are we actually talking about with morale? We're talking about we're talking about a leader's influence to keep people focused on the mission, compelling them to do mm. what they want to what they want them to do because they want to do it. We've basically just there told you management process systems the types of leadership that a junior leader, a junior officer will have to do. Now get this, the greatest challenge facing junior leaders in the military right now is the fact that they disengage from their teams and they go to a corporal's room or the officer goes to his his office and they close the door and they sit behind a computer. Yeah. That is why soldiers continue to send us messages about how do I <laughs> make better leaders above me because yeah. you're not leading. You're not leading if you're not creating relationships and if you aren't there you can't create relationships Mm. if you're not holding the stretcher you're not creating a relationship if you're not doing pt in the morning with them you're not creating a relationship if you're not sitting in the common room listening to what these dirt bags did (laughs) on the weekend yeah you are not leading yeah every time every time at any level every time you and every business yeah and every business right that's exactly right so 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 be more present be more present Yep. You will never, ever get a span of command as big as that. For the corporal, so we're talking around... Mate, no, yeah. fa- no, think about this. Well, yes, okay, yes. So a corporal, the biggest span of command I've ever heard of in any industry that we've worked of direct reports is a corporal in, in the infantry. Mm. Is 12... Yeah, up to 12. Right. Up to 12 people. Start moving up the ranks. Yeah. Sh- you know? Yeah, so a company commander has, you know... Four or five, depending on what company it is. A battalion commander has the OCs of the as a direct plus report. His star, plus his uh, PSOs. Yep, his principal. It's not twelve. Yeah. So it's it's you know, and as you, I mean, CEOs of companies might have eight or mm. nine direct mm. reports. So it is a big job. Yeah. So go, so this is the one you need to nail. Yeah. If you can do twelve, then you can transition through your life to do less. And interestingly, I think. I think some of these uh, junior non-commissioned officers, these corporals, uh, you know, they're probably they're probably quite young now. They probably don't have that depth of experience, that the breadth that came with years of of being at that rank or years of being at a as a private. This is no criticism. Well, I was, it, it I was is, twenty-two is, as a corporal. Yeah, and it mm. and it just is what it is. Mm. You know, we're talking mm. about you know we're talking about high tempo to. You know, it's, a, it's an army in motion and, and mm. those sorts of things. And, of course, this applies to you mm. know, uh, all of the ADF. Um, so I, I think that we're, we're moving them through into these early leadership or to these emerging leaders' uh, roles mm. much earlier than we probably previously did. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's and a challenge. That's that, a challenge because their head's not in the right – you know, their head's not fully developed. We're, we're not fully mature even mm. at that. You know, there's, you know, scientific data around – maturity and when 
when males and females mm. mature mm. and you're really not um, fully cognitively developed until mm. you're around 25. But we've already got, you know, soldiers in charge of other soldiers and airmen in charge of other airmen and women uh, well before that. Yeah, and but the resources now... The resources now to, sh- to say to a young corporal, and they're listening to this. Okay, listen mm. to this. Yeah. Leadership is getting someone to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. You do that by creating influence. You create influence by being able to give purpose, purpose. motivation, direction. Yep. Guess what, 22-year-old corporal anywhere in the ADF, yeah. you've just learned more about leadership than I was ever taught in nearly 20 years. That's right. So you've just learned it listening to this. Mm. So w- where are the platoon commanders teaching or troop commanders teaching soldiers that, like bring them into your office and sit them down and go, hey, you might be if you if you're having problems in your section, come to me, come to me as your mm. mentor because guess what, I've studied this at Ad for an RMC, and if you're a sergeant, yeah, you know, hey sir, come to me, I've seen this before yep. in my twelve to twenty years in some cases career. Mm. we're getting asked what is the greatest challenge facing junior leaders in the military, in the ADF right now. Yeah. And really the greatest challenge is themselves being being absent from their teams. You can't create influence if you're not there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Right. That's, that's bang on, I reckon. Look, this one, this next one is a bit of a curly one, um, and mm. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to unpack. But I think it's it's interesting. Okay. Uh, it's an interesting question. So I'll, I'll throw it out there: Could military leadership be used by politicians to better govern? So there's probably two aspects here that I'm thinking of straight off the bat. What are your thoughts? No, it's not good enough. Um, Go. Both types of leadership. We've seen what's going on in the Australian framework, political framework right now. So politicians should be doing better. Yeah. Calling it out. And in the military context, I'm not – I mean, we just discussed all the problems with it. You know, that the, the issues that they're, they're disengaged from, perhaps disengaged – in some cases, not all cases, okay. Disengaged mm. from mm. the soldiers and, and forgetting what leadership, you know, and not being empowered. I think no – True leadership wouldn't be used by politicians to, to better govern. Well, I mean, we, are we talking about stretching into, you know, that dictatorial style of leadership? Because um, many people think that the military is is uh, directive, directive control or authoritative, and it is at some points for very valid reasons. Most organisations are indeed. Most most leaders will use Have an authoritative, authoritative yeah. style of leadership at yeah. least at some point in the way they operate, yeah. depending on the type of business they're in. Right. So I was. Sitting, so this was, is a very vague question to a very broad problem. So I was sitting out the back of the first battalion back in the back in the day. 
as Jocko says. <laughs> Sitting out the back of the first battalion under the knockoff. That's because you're old as dirt, Brown. Under the knockoff tree. Did you have the knockoff tree? Yeah. Knockoff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was that over the road, was it, as well? Anyway, <laughs> we, had, we had the knockoff tree. You know, so there's all these guys sitting out there and, and there was one guy in particular, he'd be like, knock off, knock off. That's the knockoff bird for anyone who doesn't know it. <laughs> yeah, time to, time to pull stumps and, and go early. the CSM opens the window up and he leans out and he goes, oi. He goes, shut that up. And then he goes back inside and then the whole company's like, knock off, knock off. <laughs> <laughs> like the knockoff bird just went like as if he just scared all the galahs out of the tree. <laughs> and then he leans out and he goes, right, are you listening to me? He goes, if you guys want to knock off, you got to go down there and clean the SALs, which is the toilets for those listening that might not know, and, and get all the rubbish out from underneath the, the, the building. Anyway, close, slams, the, slams the window shut. Because what happened is all the corporals were up with the uh, sergeants upstairs. It was all the, private, all the private soldiers down the bottom because they were up in a meeting and the officers were all up there with the, the, uh, the OC. And this one guy... Stands up, big strapping lad, you know, shock of brown hair and tanned skin and, you know, he's a bit of a ladies' man, wasn't me? And uh, he's a lot bigger than... Son of Anzac. And he was a lot yeah, he was a son of Anzac. He was a Spartan warrior. Stood up. All right, listen up, lads. You know, I want to get in the town and, and, uh, and go and have a few, few beverages and watch the football. We could all be out of here by five o'clock. It's four now. You know, it's a, it's a Friday. Let's just get over there and do this. You know, we'll break up into three groups. One group will do this. One group will do that. One group will do the other, right? Who's with me? No one even said anything. They just all got up and just broke up into their three groups and went over and started doing it. Now, he gave them purpose. He gave them motivation. motivation and he gave and direction. clear direction. Yep. And what did, he, what did he create? Influence. And this guy had no, absolutely nil authority across the other hundred odd guys. Well, he's the same rank. Yeah, and, and in some cases there was soldiers there who were sub one, sub two qualified. So they, they had done their promotions courses. Yeah, now he had this thing we call it, you know, he, he had charisma. That was his that was his leadership, you know, that was that was his leadership trait. So mm. he had charisma. Mm. Um, that is hard to teach. Got it. That's what some people mean when they say born leaders. That yeah, little right. piece. That when one, you don't have that natural leadership, right. that previous question we're talking about might yeah. be that charisma aspect. Right. So anyway, we went and did it. Mm. And and it, I think it was about quarter past four the CSM came down and there wasn't even a formal knockoff. He just said, all right, you got it. And then, and then there's this running, sprinting <laughs> across the parade. Ground. There's a the, vacuum the, as the everyone's ground. going out the <laughs> yeah. barracks. Straight, but yeah, there, you know, there's like, it had been after Somalia too. So there's HSV Commodores going everywhere from, you know. So you know, we're sprinting across the, the I'm, grounds. I'm 22% interest. Right, yeah. Yeah, the defence bank's just like, yes, ka-ching. <laughs> And so we were all out in the town. And I remember, I remember the, I, you know, I didn't know what I was witnessing at the time, but I remember thinking right then, who is this? Like, that guy's amazing. Like, you know, what a great leader. I want to be like that when I'm not a leader. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I want to be just like that when I'm when, when I grow not up. a leader. And well, he was, a, he was a few years older than me, a couple of, you know, but that's all. Saw him years later as a, uh, as a sergeant. I think I was a captain by then. And do you think he could get people to do what he wanted them to do? Mm. No. He'd reverted to authority. He he had he was trying to use authority. People didn't like him. He was a he was a bully. When people didn't do what he wanted to do, he'd threaten to charge him. Like that's you know. And I remember. And suddenly I was like, "Well, that is interesting." Mm. Yeah, you that, learned another lesson. Well, absolutely. If you have authority, why are you using it? You're only using authority because you don't know how to influence. Yep. Now there's times when you have to use authority because people aren't within the authoritative framework. Or they're not step. following the values of the organization and those right. sorts of things, right? And you and you know yep. and that's a 
You know, that's a, a, a tool that is able to be used uh, and is, you know, legislated for. Right. And but that exists in other organisations as well. All as well, all organisations. If you if you don't do this, then right. you you'll be on a warning, or you'll be fired, or whatever. So people do use authority within civilian workplaces as well. So the question is, could military leadership be used by politicians to better govern? What I'm saying, I, I don't is, think that's the problem. I don't think that's the well, real what question. I'm, what I'm trying to say is, well, no. What what actually the military could use, and what politicians could use, is more influence mm. and less. Authority frameworks. The authority frameworks are there, and they have to be there. But let's focus more on creating real relationships and real influence, where you're getting people to do what you want them to do, mm. and and they want to do it. Yeah, because they're following you. You've clearly articulated a vision. We 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 keep coming back to this. That is the secret sauce. We should just do a hundred episodes where we just go, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Have you worked it out yet? So the University of Melbourne did a study around uh, what Australian voters thought was the most valuable uh, value uh, for a political leader and it was overwhelmingly in favour of trust, integrity and honesty. Yeah, that's, that's what the Australian voters are looking for. Now maybe this question touches on that because – you know, the Australian Defence Force largely has a very good reputa- reputation and maintains that to one extent or another uh, positively over over long periods of time, whereas politicians certainly don't have that level of uh, trust amongst the Australian people. Is this question really uh, focused on, on building, you know, using military leadership styles? And by that I'm assuming directive... Uh, you know, a directive or more authoritative style of leadership mm. in order to to govern without, you know, the difficulties. But I think that I think that the difficulties that are brought into a democratic form of government, and we're making an assumption we're only talking about Australian and similar types of governments. I think this is, you know, the benefit of being in a democracy. Yeah, we need diverse leaders. I've a hundred percent seen this work. In the UAE, what this person's asking is is how the the UAE functions. It's how that works. Mm. They have a lot stricter authoritative framework. Um, they have a you know a, a sheikh, sheikhdom, mm. who's you know royalty, mm. and and what they say is what what happens. What happens? Yep. Yeah, but very yeah. different. Very different society. It works and it works really well and it's, it makes you – you know, the other thing that's interesting about that place is that the media is different. Right. So you're less stressed by the Just media um, covering things in a certain way, for instance. Yeah, mm. and then you're sort of moving into this control of control of media and uh, the difference between mainstream and online. Um, Mate, such a you complex know, well, question. Yeah, you know, that's – yeah, this is that. That's a very difficult question. Well, let me change. Let me change gears. Yeah, okay. So, so I, I reached out to on LinkedIn uh, mm. to the Brains Trust and said, because this is a question that I asked for an audience on the Adaptive Leadership Program. Um, think about the best leader that you've ever had the experience of working for. What was their best characteristic? And these are some of the responses. Empathy was one of the first ones. Love that. Yep. Faith. And belief that the team could succeed. So when you say faith, you're not talking from a religious perspective, are you? Faith in the team. Faith in the team. So trust. Right. That's trust. Another one was knowledge. 
and not just knowledge about the job, um, but you know, being worldly and, and could apply that worldly knowledge to a generalist role. Situationally aware probably comes under that as a sub sub point of that knowledge. Yep. Yep. They listen to the room before making a decision. Leaders speak last. Like it. Uh, they were consistent. So application of decisions is probably where we're talking about here. Fair. Fairness. Well, consistency allows you to know what's coming. And if you understand yourself as a leader really well, then that arms you with being able to be consistent. If, you're, if you don't know yourself, then you're going to be leading in a washing machine. Right. Compassion was another one that came up for someone. Again, it rolls into our EQ type conversation. Yep. Compassionate to their employees. Mm. Um, situational. Situational. Mm. What do you think they mean by that? Mm, adapting their approach, being a situational leader. Yep. Um, being able to change. Agree with that. Yeah. And uh, one of the best answers I thought, and I agree with all of these. These are all, and I mean, I have For to sure. agree with them because these are what people saw of their best leader that they'd ever had. Interestingly, uh, a lot of the um, men were the ones that said compassion, empathy. That's interesting. Yeah. So the best answer I thought was communication. And listen to the answer. It's brilliant even though I gravitate to other traits that I really like for an answer here, without effective communication skills, none of these traits are even achievable. Leading by example, driving initiatives, showing strength, Mm. empathy, collaboration or accountability, they all share a common requirement and that's communication. Communication is such a significant trait in and of itself, noting there are many forms that communication takes and over many mediums. Yeah. There are so many layers of delivery and engagement, nuances, dependent on the circumstances and intent. Communication has to be authentic uh, in its delivery and content. In reverse to this question, as a subordinate, the most important thing for me is to feel valued. Mm. Mm. That's brilliant. Sign that man up or lady. Yeah. So isn't that interesting? And I, I think that all of those are obviously correct. Empathy for me is a big one. Um, but, or having EQ. Mm. Uh, so being able to change your, you know, adapt your leadership style based on your emotional intelligence to what's going on. But the communication piece, interestingly, looking back over the leaders that we, that we analysed, they were all great communicators. Absolutely. All of them. Every, every one of them. Yep. In some way or another. Yep. Mm. Oh, except maybe Carter. He was still a good communicator. He was still clear, concise, brevity. Yeah, yeah. I still think he was a good communicator. Mm. He wasn't like he wasn't like some. It wasn't. It wasn't a Margaret Thatcher. No, no. He wasn't a Ronald Reagan. Yep. You know, great answers. Um, mm. You know, from the from the team out there, and great questions as well. And please mm. keep them coming. Uh, we're really we're really enjoying getting some of this feedback either th- uh, through Warrior You podcast or on hindsight, Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn as well. So send them through via LinkedIn. Uh, find us on LinkedIn, both uh, Bram and myself, and uh, the hindsight uh, LinkedIn page. You can drop your comments in either uh, DM or uh, or straight in the comments underneath any one of our posts. We'll find them and get to them. Thanks very much, Bram. Thanks, Trent. Bye, mate. Cheers. Righto. Thanks for listening, gang. If you'd like to find out about our parent company and the leadership and resilience training and workshops that they offer, please head to the Hindsight Leadership website, www.hindsightleadership.com. Hindsight Leadership, all one word. 
If you'd like to donate to the podcast, and remember, every dollar helps, you can do that through the podcast website at www.podcast.warrioru.com.au. There's a donation tab at the bottom of the main page, and all donations are really appreciated. They keep the show on the road. And if you're interested in the Warrior U military preparation course, whether that's just the physical training component or the whole cultural training package, this can also be found through the podcast website, www.podcast.warrioru.com.au. Thanks for listening.